Hello, everyone, and inside tonight's Locked On Canadians, the Habs split their weekend series, and it is time for three up and three down. You are Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 952 of Locked On Canadians. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. CE Sleeper's terms of use for the details. I am your host again for this evening. I am Scott Matlove. Of course, you can follow me on the app, formerly known as Twitter, at Scott Matla, And you can find us... Locked on Canadians, wherever you get your daily podcast, Google, Apple, Spotify, or if you are watching on youtube.com, tell all your friends. We appreciate any new subscribers out there and love to grow our little fun world here that we've got at Locked on Canadians. And it was, it was quite a weekend for the Montreal Canadians. They split their weekend going one and one over two games in a week where it, we thought they were going to be in tough here. They had Tampa Bay, not a great game overall. Detroit, win in overtime. Play the Bruins, play the Canucks. And I I had said it with Laura, and I had said it going into this week. It was going to be a real test of a week, and we were going to find out what this team was made of here. Overall, pretty good week across the board on things. They went, let's see, they beat the Bruins on Saturday in overtime, and we'll get to that. And they lost to Vancouver here on Sunday when I'm recording this in a very weird PDO bendery kind of game. Good week overall. We'll touch on more of that when we get into three up and three down. But going into the Bruins game here, I caught the highlights and tried to catch as much as I could after the festival that I was working at for my day job there. But trust me, when I was following the entire way, and it seems like the Canadians We thought they played probably their best game of the year against Vegas, lost in a shootout. Against the Bruins, they let in a goal in the opening, what was it, 30 seconds of the game, whatever it was, when Pavel Zaka scored. And then the Canadians just clamped down and went stride for stride, blow for blow, with the Boston Bruins who were on, if I am mistaken here, please correct me, a franchise best start to the season after losing Patrice Bergeron after losing David Krejci and coming off a PDO bender for the ages last year. And the Canadians went stride for stride for them, went into the second, I believe it was the third period, scored two goals quickly, gave up a late one to Marchand on the power play, got the game to overtime, and then Mike Matheson almost did something amazing. He was this close as he split everybody. Jeremy Swayman is maybe the only person who was paying attention and noticed that Mike Matheson was going to do what he does. And then it was Caden Gooley. Uh, Josh Anderson had a nice play there in overtime. Puck bounces for a rebound. And Gooley, he jumped up in there. If he doesn't get to this puck, it's likely going the other way. And Montembeau's got two on O, maybe a two on a half, three on a half, whatever it might be. But Gooley steps up and just wires one by Swayman. Gives the Habs a huge win. 
And that's incredible coming off of that win against Detroit uh, earlier in the week there. Feel good moment. And Caden Gooley was immense. He's going to get featured prominently in three up and three down. I can tell you that much. A really solid game across the board for him. And it was great to see that. They bounced back from a shaky start. That opening goal there didn't fold when the game got tough there. They scored two quick goals. They got one overturned, which is just miraculous for goaltender interference. But it was pretty obvious when Oskarstein skated through Montembeau's stick and bent it backwards and everything. Marshan scored. They didn't wilt. They stuck with it. They were not intimidated by the Boston Bruins. They were happy to be up there and just go punch for punch the entire way there. When they were losing games late last week and before that, they went into these games, regardless of who the opponent was, like they were afraid of being in the same building as them. And that was the Coyotes and the Blues, who are okay to meh teams. The Canadians are not a great team, and I acknowledge that. Teams shouldn't always be afraid of the Canadians. But that Bruins game encapsulated exactly the effort you want to see. And they came into Saturday against the Canucks, and I, they play, the Canucks played the night before. They lost to Toronto. They had a loss there that you know they were going to be feisty a little bit. Habs are coming off the high of beating the Bruins at the Bell Center in overtime. As Ian Boisvert put it, all the signs of an emotional letdown of a game. And through the first period, I thought the Canadians were keeping pretty good pace with the Canucks there. The Canucks are a team that scores almost four goals a game. They're a very good offense. And I thought the Canadians were hanging in there step for step, doing their best to mitigate the explosiveness of that Canucks offense. And then things kind of went sideways in a game that I swear I'm being gaslit by this fan base in that when it got to three, nothing Vancouver is that everyone is talking about how it's all over. It's the worst game they've ever seen that everything's terrible. And this guy is bad and this guy's bad and nothing is working. And as I'm watching, I'm just kind of going, not a single bounce has gone the Habs way. Tanner Pearson hits the inside of the post. Cole Caulfield is offside on a goal that he had no involvement in whatsoever. It gets overturned Christian Dvorak's goal there. The refs just not calling anything until they decided they wanted to call things. And then the Canucks just capitalizing on every opportunity they got. Uh, talking with people at the four hockey fans at Eyes on the Prize, the Canucks PDO coming into this game is 106.7. One of the highest recorded in the last like 10 years or so was the Randy Carlisle Leafs in 2013 and the Bruins last year. 106 is so high up there that you're basically just... You are the golden goose. You can do no wrong. And when the regression comes, it's going to hit like a Mack truck, but it won't come all at once unless it does, which would be funny because LOL, why not? And it's a game where no bounces went the Canadians way. They did a lot of good things in this game. I thought Slavkovsky had a fantastic game and I'll have more on him in the three up and three down segment. I thought there were opportunities. I thought the team looked good. Jake Allen was shaky and then he dialed it in when he needed to in that third period to give them a shot. And they got their goals there. You know, Arbor Jack, I scored late. They, they got their opportunities and that's all well and good. Mike Matheson scored again on a really nice play where JT Miller decided to cross check Josh Anderson instead of playing defense. 
But in case you want to know how cursed this game was, Habs draw two penalties in a row in a crucial situation, have an abbreviated five on three and then a, a five or a five on four power play. Barely into the five on three, Nick Suzuki skate blade explodes. What do you even do about that? He's got to limp back to the bench. By the time they get someone else out there, that first penalty is expired, and then Matheson scores. The other power play is wiped out because he scored at the five on four. Just how it goes, and it's a 5-2 scoreline. That looks terrible. Two of those are empty net goals. As the Habs are trying to push desperately, there was 4-2 with like 17 seconds left when the Canucks buried their other empty net goal. It's a game that looks ugly on the scoreline, but probably flatters the Canucks a little bit more than it should. The Canadians were right up there in the expected goals battle on that. Sometimes it's just not your night. You know, to quote Trailer Park Boys, sometimes that's the way she goes. And the way she goes, and that's how she goes. Watch this game, saw a couple things. Not upset on the weekend. If you had told me they would take two points out of this weekend, whether it be two overtime games or a win against either of these teams, I would take that. There's a good sign that we expect more from this team because we've seen them play well. And we saw it against the Bruins. And I do not think the Canadians played badly against the Canucks. The scoreline's not great. And it's kind of a frustrating looking game. Jordan Harris is playing a little bit banged up, but the other option was Gustav Lindstrom. So I don't know if partially injured Jordan Harris is better than Gustav Lindstrom, but I I will err on the side of that, I think, right now. It's frustrating, but there's a huge get-right game coming up this week. They play the Flames on Tuesday night. The Flames are the opposite of the Canucks this year in that everything is going in on the Flames, and they are scoring none of their own. Everyone's unhappy. We're going to see what they can do in this game, and I will have that preview for you tomorrow, along with whatever news comes along as well. But we got to move on because it is Monday, and Monday always means three up and three down here at Locked On Canadians. We're going to jump into that coming up next. But first, today's show is also brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings home the winning trophy and also what keeps your ride-or-die vehicle alive long-term. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers to roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die vehicle, you'll always find exactly what you are looking for every single time. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you are burning rubber, not cash. All the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die vehicle alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit is only available to customers in the United States. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. I am your solo host again for this episode. I am, of course, Scott Matla. And if you are new here, hello, welcome. It is not always this insane. This is actually, and no, actually, this is very calm. This is very level-headed. We are a little zen after the game today. I haven't yelled at anybody yet. That's in the down section, which actually is where we're starting today. I realized that I've slightly ordered this wrong. So you know what? We are going to do this in the opposite direction today because I typed these show notes wrong on the side of this. And let's just jump right into things. Let's start with the good here. 
Caden Gooley rocks, and I don't think I am underselling that in, or overselling that in the slightest. Caden Gooley, since you know he had that injury to start the year, and you could feel it in the defense since coming back, has looked like a top-pairing defenseman. Great goal against the Bruins. Outstanding game overall against a team that is well-coached, that is feisty to play against. And I know that he's not going to be on the score sheet in the same way in that Vancouver game, but Caden Gooley is stepping up this season in a way that should, you should look at that and go, yes, that is what I want to see from Caden Gooley. We haven't seen some of the other guys taking a step. I thought Justin Barron's been better this year. Jordan Harris is quietly, you know, himself. Jonathan Kovacevic is usually pretty reliable, but has had some hiccups this year. But Caden Gooley is the guy that I notice more and more and more makes smart plays and makes plays that no one else on this team is making, including Mike Matheson, who's still not quite the Mike Matheson we expect on this team. Watching Gooley play when he is on is a treat. Overtime winner is great. It's a defining moment for his young career. And then watching him against the Canucks, he, the puck comes out of the zone. He's up on the half boards, trying to battle for it, misses it. Ilya Mikheyev is heading down the ice after the puck that is, you know, is on a leading pass. And Gooley just easily blows by him, cuts him off, steals the puck, and sends it back the other way. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that right now he should be the one getting the majority of the minutes on this team. Mike Matheson still doesn't look quite right consistently enough for me to go, that's fine, leave him as the number one defenseman. Caden Gooley is a guy that you want to see. Can he do that? Can he be that guy? And I think, honestly, that he can be. He looks really impressive. He's composed. There's no... There's no fear in his game. When things don't go right, he is ready to make that next move. He is processing ahead there. And admittedly, he's probably likely always been like this, but I didn't get to watch enough of him in the WHL because games start at 10, 11 o'clock on 240p streams, and it was hard to keep up with him. And then last year, injuries and the team didn't look right. It's hard to tell what is Caden Gooley. Watching him play this year, the team's not perfect. But I am watching Caden Gooley take that next step. And he's someone that I know he's got one year left on his entry-level deal next year. That as soon as it is available, I am hoping the Canadians are ready to slap down a long-term, reasonably priced contract in front of him and get him as another piece of that core locked up because I think he's worth it. And I wouldn't be shocked if that's next on the menu for them. Uh, also on the up list, and this is based solely on the Vancouver game because I'm watching so many members of the print media here in Montreal just rag on Slavko. He's got one goal this year. You know, he's got to be better at this. Again, I feel like I'm being gaslit when I when I watch some of the Twitter feeds go by here. Slavkovsky against the Canucks looked great. He had an early shot that he kind of flubbed, went to the bench, and Trevor Latowski comes over, pats him on the back, Talks to him for a second, you know, shoot more, you know, trust yourself. And then I watched Slavkovsky just go and get it. And he turned on his giant Slovakian murder toddler style of play in that he's assertive. He remembered, I'm gigantic. Teams are going to have to try and stop me. One of the next shifts after he had that conversation goes out there. Tyler Myers tried to hit him, injures himself. 
goes out there on the same shift five seconds after that, rips a slapper that knocked Carson Soucy out of the game when it hit him in the foot, and then generates more scoring chances. Everything was cutting to the middle with authority, shot on goal, rebound, authority curving to the outside, pucks to the high danger areas, things that he wasn't doing last year. He was passive along the walls, not dedicated to making the play. I'm watching Slavkovsky go out there and go, I am going to do this. It is up to you to stop me. And more often than not, the Canucks were just happy to give him the center of the ice. And if they're going to give you that center lane, keep pushing it, keep shooting from there. That's a high danger area. They call it the Royal Road for a reason. Get in that area, generate your chances. I think he did everything except score a goal tonight. He looked damn good out there. And honestly, I'm not going to even remotely try and say anything negative about that. I thought he looked great. I like truly, truly thought he looked outstanding again tonight. And if you didn't see that, I don't know what else to tell you. There's more than just the scoreboard and the scoreline for things. Uh, my final up for the week, uh, Nick Suzuki's on his little heater. I talked about it with Andrew Berkshire on game over is that everyone worries about Suzuki when he goes into a mini slump for two or three games. And then he has a quiet like two assist night or a goal and an assist night, and it's quiet. And then this past week, he had goals in four straight games coming into the Canucks game, just stepping up and producing when the team needed him most. He did it against Boston. He did it against Detroit. He's scoring goals again, which is what you want to see from him. They even split up Suzuki and Caulfield. They won that game against Detroit when splitting them up. I don't think he looked bad against Boston. I think he looked great against Boston. Everyone looked a little off against Vancouver, but it was one of those just games where nothing went their way. And I'm putting Suzuki on the up list because I think he deserves to be on that up list. They still got to figure out what to do on the wings. If it's going to be Caulfield back up there, it can't be Josh Anderson. And you can't put Anderson on the fourth line and put Rafael Harvey-Pinardi, Jesse Olin in there. Somebody's got to get moved around here. Ken Hughes has to make a tough, or you know, Martin St. Louis has to make a tough choice. Do you bench Josh Anderson for a game and put somebody else in? Don't make it Yol Armia, you know, who got papered to Laval today actually for Gustav Lindstrom's recall. But what do what you need to do to find something that works there? And I think Suzuki's going to be just fine. Again, the Flames game is going to be a get right game. Then they got Vegas again, they have the Bruins again. They've got another busy week and another tough schedule coming up, but this is where Nick Suzuki starts to thrive. He had a little bit of an off game. You know they're going to look at that game against Vancouver and be like, we should have won this game. We could have won this game. Why didn't we win this game? And then they're going to turn that around. And that is that's kind of just what I am hoping for is that we see that Suzuki game because he loves playing Vegas. He loves to show up against Vegas, the team that traded him. It's going to be a late game. No, they're in Montreal. Never mind. It's not going to be a late game, which is great for us. It's, I want to see that. I want to see that killer instinct there that he's a little bit of a crap head kind of game where he's nudging guys. He's playing with that little extra edge. Like he has something to prove because that's when Nick Suzuki is at his best. Who is on your up list for the week? Who's on your three ups? I should say I would have put rocket players in here. They have another game on Monday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern that I'm going to be covering. So I didn't want to put them in here yet because I want to see what happens in tomorrow's game. But their game today on Sunday when I'm recording this, 6-2 win. Great game for Joshua, Logan Mayu, Jakob Dobish. Young guys leading the way on that team again. I will have a rocket update on Monday with my Flames game preview. And that will all be coming up on Monday's episode. 
But coming up in our final segment, it is the down of the week. And boy, do I want to know what in the heck the Edmonton Oilers are doing. All that and more coming up next. But first, as I said off the top of the show, today's show is brought to you by the folks at Sleeper. And a new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. We're hoping Cole Caulfield scores 50 points in Montreal. The Habs might not win the Stanley Cup, but is someone in the division going to do it? Tons of good teams out there. Tons of good picks. And if you want to win big on daily fantasy hockey, you got to play on Sleeper right now. It is the number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially fantasy hockey because with Sleepers, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey pros in contests there. All you got to do is pick, you know, some of the studs around the league. Is Ovechkin going to keep his goal scoring home with the suddenly red hot Capitals? Is a new coach going to help Connor McDavid break out of that? Will they record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves if you're picking goalies, plus, minus, or more in any given game? And to win 100 times your bet on sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Habs fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your pick so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKDOWNNHL and you'll get $100 on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That is promo code LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. We are back here at Locked On Canadians. Again, I am your solo host for the next few days, and then Laura will be back from her travels. Usually we do the ups last to end on a positive note, but I, it being a little bit later, uh put the notes in the wrong order here so you're getting what you're getting here uh what are the oilers doing i know this is a montreal canadians podcast but i do not understand what the edmonton oilers are doing they lost to the sharks and it was very very funny on thursday night and there was a clip going around oilers twitter and nhl twitter of Jay Woodcroft looking at, I believe, Dave Manson as assistant coach going, I think that might have been it, and him going, yep. They were allowed to coach another game where they crushed the Seattle Kraken, and everyone thought, okay, maybe they'll wait and assess. Nope, they fired him Sunday morning. And what they did is they replaced him with Connor McDavid's former junior coach, Chris uh, Knobloch coming up from the AHL Hartford Wolfpack. And that in and of itself is fine. I don't think Jay Woodcroft was the problem with this team. He was fired as the winning with the highest winning percentage in Oilers coach history. I had a Glenn Sather who coached, you know, those powerhouse teams and yes, smaller sample size. I do not think Jay Woodcroft was the problem. I think Ken Holland saddling him with a Darnell Nurse contract that's terrible, a very mediocre depth per you know session around there. You have McDavid and you have Drysidle. Zach Hyman was a good addition. You added Connor Brown, who has not played well. Ryan Nugent Hopkins, who's regressing off a massive year. Evander Kane, who is a wild card at all times. And then what's beyond that? You can't call up your young guys because you don't have enough cap space to call up Borgo. You could barely call up Raphael Lavoie or Holloway last year. And then your defense, you have younger guys. You have your Bouchard, who looks good. Brett Kulak always is a consistent guy. Matthias Ekholm's a good ad. But Darnell Nurse is the seventh highest paid either player or defenseman in the league, and it's not ideal because he's not worth that. And then in net, Stuart Skinner, probably not as bad as his numbers indicate. He was very good last year. 
And then you have Jack Campbell that you signed, what, five by five for some reason? And he's in the AHL getting lit up in his first start. He put up an 800 save percentage. And somehow that's Jay Woodcroft's fault. And I think the ceiling part for me out of all this, where I am the angriest, is that, oh, we didn't consult the players, even though Ken Holland says they talked to the vets. When the owner of the team says, we did not consult the players, and your GM says they did, one of you is lying, and neither of that is great. The Oilers absolutely deserve whatever mess is coming for them. The fact that Ken Holland was allowed to hire a fourth coach in three years as GM is a problem. And if you don't see that Ken Holland is part of the problem with this franchise, I hope that I hope they don't fire him. I hope they let him handle Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl's trade request this offseason when they lose because it's going to be a disaster. It's already going to be a disaster. You're trading one of the two best players on this planet. But boy, oh boy, can I not wait to watch Ken Holland do his worst with that and set Edmonton back another 15 years. It'll be very funny. And I wanted to start with that because one of the Oilers' problems is goaltending. And this past week has not been one to remember for Jake Allen. It it's I it's been tough because I don't think he played outright bad against Vancouver, but he wasn't perfect. The as someone pointed out to me, I believe it was the Mikheyev goal. Yes, he doesn't have a stick. Still went glove side. Kind of a little bit of a backbreaker in there. And then the Tampa Bay game, he got no help defensively in front of him. But you were hoping with him as the veteran that you can stabilize something there a little bit. Let him calm the game down a little bit. And it just did not happen. Uh, I don't like putting Jake Allen on my down list just because I like Jake Allen. And I'm hoping that that trade value goes up just a teeny bit there. Uh, I'd really, really like to see more out of him, especially with now Colorado is out Pavel Francouz for the rest of the year. He's out with a lower body injury. He's going back to Czechia after that. That leaves them Alexander Georgiev. And I'm actually not sure who their backup is at this point, but their team's now looking for a goalie. Edmonton is looking for a goalie. Colorado is looking for a goalie. You've got teams out West that aren't going to hurt you immediately. Kent Hughes, it is time. We are basically kind of at the Rubicon point here. Will they pull the trigger? on trading Allen or Montembeau, who said they are talking about an extension, but they haven't formally like launched into things, but they are discussing it. They want to get it done. Or do you trade Caden Primo? And my inkling is that they will start Primo against Calgary. See what he can give you. And I'm hoping he gives them a lot. Like truly, I hope Caden Primo gives them a lot. I should have put Primo on my up list this week. Cause I thought he played phenomenally against Detroit on Thursday night. And he did deserve that win and everything it's now is that time for Ken Hughes to find what he is looking for there. Uh, and just to wrap out the show, we're, we're going to talk about NHL officiating because it's just bad. It's like I said a couple of weeks ago, things that were called in October, if they called that all year long would be outstanding. We are in November. Now it is November 12th. We are two weeks into we are a month and two weeks into the new NHL season. Things that were getting called in the first month of the season aren't being called anymore. I watched high sticks, boarding penalties, hooks, holds on both sides go uncalled tonight. 
where in the first you know couple weeks of the season that if you looked at their guy the wrong way with your stick or anywhere close, you're going to the box. And then they have shut that off. And it becomes a mess and it ruins what hockey should look like. I didn't know what the officiating standard was. I watched Brendan Gallagher get hammered square on the numbers from behind by Elias Pettersson. They called nothing, but Tanner Pearson gives him a light jab with the stick and they nailed him for it. And I just go, what are we doing here? I, I hate, hate that at least once a month we have a discussion about what are NHL officials doing? Usually it's nothing good. It's never good when you have to men- when you know who officiated the game. Bruins fans weren't happy with Chris Lee. Uh, and to them, I say, we're probably lucky that no one left that game seriously injured on either side. It, it won't get fixed anytime soon. And that's the most frustrating part. So again, welcome back to the down list NHL officiating. I'm sure I will see you again soon. And to our listeners and our watchers, I will see you again soon. I will see you tomorrow. We have the Flames preview. We're going to talk about the Rocket Weekend games here, who's thriving, seeing what's ahead, what news has happened around the NHL and more. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your daily podcasts on Google, Apple, Spotify, or here on YouTube. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can follow myself at Scott Matla as well. Please tell all your friends five days a week of Canadians content can't be beat. Folks, I will see you all next time. 